Welcome back to the self-care unit. This week we have a really cool topic to learn all about and that is somatics. To help us learn more about it, we are joined by Christine Cohen. Christine is a holistic burnout recovery coach, dietitian, and fitness specialist. She also helps people resolve their anxiety and depression through holistic approaches, one of which is through somatics. We're so happy to have her here with us to walk us through the practice and also talk about what it can do for nurses. So thank you, Christine, for joining us. I actually had my first experience with somatics last year, and it was incredible. And I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you. And so thank you so much for being here, Christine. Thank you both for having me. I was thrilled when I got your email to invite me on the podcast, and it was so synchronistic because I had just been talking to multiple family members and friends who are nurses about like, how can I reach out to this community more or at least like share this information with them? Like what would they recommend? And also having them give me their input on just what real life nurse life is about. Um, And so it was just great timing. I think it's such an appropriate conversation, especially considering how much nursing is involved, especially bedside nursing in the mind and the body and emotions. And so being able to actually vocalize what it means that maybe trauma is living inside of someone's body and how do we address that? How do we talk about the impacts of trauma in the body and in nursing in particular, because we are faced with the deepest, most difficult parts of human hum, human life, humanity, and we're faced with that every single day in our work, especially in clinical roles, to be able to talk about it and to be able to talk about the impacts and also different modalities to address that and support that. It's something I'm always open to learning more about. And um, thank you for recognizing the nursing population as needing more support in that realm. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, And you just said that so well. And um, I think just on my heart over the last few months as I've been working with more professionals inside of this whole stress and cortisol and adrenal and nervous system regulation conversation, the topic of, you know, um, emergency medicine care practitioners, obviously nurses are definitely at the top of that list to first responders to this so needed, like superhero level profession, um, which is so, it's not just like leave it at work kind of a thing. It's, it sticks with you. It stays with you. There's shared experiences, shared trauma, shared wonderful things as well, shared fulfillment um, and beauty, of course, inside of it all. But what do you do with all that? You know, like how do you move from moment to moment, from bedside to bedside, from room to room, from shift to shift, from day to day, when you're still carrying stuff from two weeks ago or from two months ago, from two years ago? And I think the thing that really struck me the most was how fast nurses burn out. Um, I was speaking to my cousin last week and she's two years in and she was telling me about her three-day, 12-hour shift schedule. And she was like, yeah, the burnout is real um, and the turnover is real. And the nurses that have been doing this for decades, like 
it's really hard to, um, what is, how did, I forget how she put it exactly, but it's basically if we can come up with something to help these, these wonderful practitioners do their job the best without them also suffering, um, or, you know, really taking a hit on their mental health or in their nervous system health, that would just help way more people in this world. Mm -hmm. I think nursing has kind of normalized the go, 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 the not being able to stop the heightened nervous system because in the, those moments where you need it, it can be the difference between life and death for a patient. So you get into the habit of staying in that and not having any type of balance. Carly, you're directly in a bedside role right now. What does this sound like to you? Do you feel like affirmed by what Christine is describing? And then we'll maybe get into more about what somatics actually is. Yes, definitely. So I work um, on a medical surgical floor, have been there for six years, and it's trauma, orthopedics, neuro, it's, it's everything. And we, after the pandemic, just saw a change of just patient population and just the way people act. And, you know, you're taking more in if you, you have that, obviously, that empathy within you if you're in the field. And it's just a lot to take home with you, like you're saying. And it's it's sad, but it's like there's there's no um there's no balance if you don't if you don't know how to look for it. There's no route. Like people don't tell you how to take care of yourself. They're just like, okay, we'll come tomorrow and we'll do this all again. And if you have your own stuff going on at home, well sorry about you. Just like keep on going through it. Like we need you at work. And we're seeing this staffing crisis right now because there are so many nurses that are burnt out and they just can't do it anymore because they are taking control of their own mental health and well-being. And I'm really excited to have this conversation because I actually don't know anything about somatics. I've probably used it not even knowingly, but I want to learn more about how I can, I want I need little tools just to know when to stop and take a breath because I actually, after the pandemic, like a year or two ago, I took an anxiety leave because I had never like stuck with these feelings or actually I sat with them. Um, and I was having so much pre-work stress and anxiety of what I was going to walk into that day because every day was different. Now you have COVID patients. Now you don't have COVID patients. Now you have, you know, it's like every day was switching and I need some kind of structure in order for me mm -hmm. to feel in control of what I'm doing. And it was just, that was not existent. So I was bottling that up and just, I was so terrified to come to work and now I'm in a better place, but I Long story short, I'm really happy you're here because I need I need something. I'm excited for some tools. I need to find my namaste. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing that little insight, by the way. Um, just like your person, you guys' personal experiences are so helpful in like actually making what I'll share today more like realistic and applicable to what your work life, what your life life balance actually looks like. Um, so I hope that I can do that justice justice, but I also did want to touch on, um, this cause I am very much, and I relate to a lot of like the being in that, like sort of thriving in a high pressure environment. And my cousin who is an emergency, um, room nurse, she's like, 
oh, I like live for that, Christine. Like I live for the adrenaline rush and like, I like it, you know, like that's what makes me so good at this job and like what kind of brings that, that thriving energy to it until, you know, I don't, I'm not recovering. There's no space between those moments. And then my body is starting to break down. So even if we all have our own, you know, innate um, capacity for, for stress, for resilience, for, for that high pressure environment. And some of us maybe like it more, prefer it more or what have you, like we all still have our limit where we do need to learn what does help me recharge, restore, recover so that I can show up to work and be, and like, feel like I'm thriving in that fight or flight, um, you know, true survival mode state that I kind of need to be in at work so I can do my job and think fast and handle five different things at once um, and potentially save somebody's life without, you know, the the negative effects of, of burnout and um, all that. So could you kind of describe for listeners who might not be aware, as concise as possible, if that is possible, what the realm of somatics is and maybe how it relates to anyone going, anyone working in a field that's high stress. So I describe somatics as basically just a body-based approach um, to calming your nervous system, to calming anxiety, to resetting how you are feeling, essentially. So generally, somatic, I mean, soma body, right? Like it's a physiological approach that is using movement, that is using breath work, that is using anything that is, in my opinion, physically moving your energy and shifting that with the intention of shifting that energy or shifting how you're feeling uh, versus let's just say like a cognitive approach or, you know, like a traditional talk therapy approach where you're really thinking using your conscious mind to rationalize um, out of a stressful situation or rationalize, you know, out of anxiety or calm yourself down. And I just gravitated towards the somatic piece um, probably because when I was really struggling with anxiety and depression, movement was like my, for lack of a better term, like antidepressant. I just found as hard as it was to get up in some days, I just found that when I did get myself to move my body, I like got myself back. Like I like glimpsed myself a little bit more that day and, and I could function a little bit more and I could bring that version of me to work. And then it wasn't until years later that I really understood, oh wow, because all types of movement, no matter how small, big, whatever, whatever level is a somatic practice in and of itself. When I was at my worst, it was literally like what, like the hardest choice I had to make, but I knew making that choice would basically like save my life that day, you know, on some levels. And now where I've really overcome and I really haven't struggled with depression or anxiety like that um, in probably five years I still, I move my body every day and I say movement because it kind of takes like the story of what an extra, what exercise should look like 
in our day and kind of opens it up to so much more. Um, so I move my body every day because it truly feels good. Like I feel my best when I'm doing it. And same, if there are a few days where I go without doing anything, like it's just become a part of, of part of me. And I know that if I want to feel my best version of Christine or one of my favorites versions of Christine, like I have, I've moved my body that day. But when I was really starting to ask myself, how can, you know, when you're depressed, when you are burnt out, you physically do not have the energy to go even on a walk, like to leave your house, you know? So I'm like, what the heck, what's available for these people? What's available for, you know, when we are at this point, when we have gotten that low, like what's available for that um, sensation? What's available for that nervous system state? And so that's really where somatics comes into play for me and for the people that I work with, because it's like lighter movements, gentler actions. Um, Sometimes you don't even have to physically like move your body, but you can use different somatic practices like breath work, like EFT tapping, like vagus nerve resetting stuff to shift your um, your nervous system state by tapping into your physiology. So it's really cool that it still has that like science background and that physiological foundation to it. Um, and I just like nerd out on that stuff. So I'm like, oh my God, there's a reason why I feel so good when I put my legs up on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> I know. Well, wait. Nursing, I'm like a science nerd too. I'm like, I love the body. It's so cool. <laughs> I always want to know what's the difference between burnout and compassion fatigue because I've burnout. I feel for me within my own body, like you just spoke of, I barely can move. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to be alone and just (laughs) be a little hermit crab, but compassion fatigue. I find myself still going to work. I have the energy to do so. I'm, you know, I can get through the day, but with my patients, I am so just every little thing is just, I'll be completely honest, full discretion. It's just like pissing me off. Like they'll, you know, the call, like keeps going off. Now I want water. Now I want a blanket and I want this. And usually I could be like, okay, you know, they're just, they want to see me they They want someone there, whatever. And I can, I can think of that. And I feel I have that compassion and the energy to do that. But some days or some weeks even, I'm just like, oh my gosh, everybody, I just want to, <laughs> you're so frustrating. And I hate that because, you know, yeah. you're there for them to take care of them and it's hard, but then you are in an industry that works with other humans. And I feel like part of that is natural. So what's the difference mm-hmm. between the two? If there is one. Yeah, I can relate to both of those. I think there is. Um, so if we were to use the term burnout, for more of like the physiological reasons why our body, our HPA access or our stress response is tiring out, you know, for in layman's terms, it is a physiological exhaustion. Um, There are different stages of adrenal dysfunction brought on by chronic stress. And, you know, the first stage would be like high cortisol, where you kind of are like, very high energy. Um, you kind of are wired all the time. Stage two would be like, there's some wired, there's some tired, we're up, we're down. Um, it's a little mix of symptoms inside of that. And then stage three would be like burnout where you are physiologically fatigued, mentally fatigued, um, and cortisol would be more low all day long. And so I would say 
for burnout, like there is such that almost like you can't even, even if you wanted to feel better, like you really truly need to rest for multiple days and help yourself restore. The compassion fatigue that you're describing sounds to me more like an, a version of you, or let's just say it's more like a, like a mental or a physical, I'm sorry, a mental or like an emotional or even like on a spiritual level, like fatigue. And what I would describe that as is like, there are multiple types of rest and recharge that we need to feel like the full version of ourselves. Physical rest is obviously top of that list, like getting sleep. I'm sure you both know what it feels like to go multiple days without sleep and just how like half a person you even are. But then there's also like social recharge. There's sensory recharge. There's, um, there's mental recharge. There's emotional recharge. There are different sort of flavors of rest or recharge that we need to sort of learn to sense within ourselves by reading like the signals and the cues of our own body. So in terms of compassion fatigue, like just in relating that to my own life experience, to me, that sounds like I need some time to myself. Like when I do clock out of work or when I do have some, a lunch break or whatever, a moment that I am allowing myself to just kind of have some me time, have some solo recharge time and do stuff that I truly um, get fulfilled with doing. So maybe that's just taking a walk outside and listening to a nice podcast, or maybe that is, you know, going to a yoga class. Maybe that's just reading, you know, maybe that's just sitting outside in my backyard, something to fulfill that piece of you. Thank you. That makes complete sense. So somatics is like a, maybe a holistic approach to dealing with mental health struggles on that. What role do you feel like somatics plays in terms of addressing depression, anxiety, other mental health struggles? Do you see it as a main course, as a side dish? Is it like an adjunct to traditional therapy? What do you feel like is ideal for anyone who's listening, who's like looking for different ways to approach their mental health? That's a great, fantastic question. I see it as a complement. I see it as something that can be integrated into um, anyone's therapy pathway, um, psychology or psychiatry, you know, journey. And it can truly help you to reconnect to parts of yourself that maybe were too scary to connect to, to and that's really what's at the bottom of this is in somatics. It's reconnecting to your body. It's reconnecting to that energy inside of you that has been, you know, suppressed, that has been numbed, that has been ignored and not always by choice. It's just because like, we don't know how to freaking do it, you know? And that can be the most frustrating part um, inside of a mental health journey, um, especially when you're really struggling with anxiety and depression. It all really started to get clear for me when I started to look at these signs and symptoms, including anxiety and depression, through the lens of um, 
like nervous system, the nervous system or nervous system regulation. I don't know how familiar you guys are, your audience is with like fight, flight, freeze uh, and that and then safety mode as well. You're shaking your head. So I think yes. I'm like, mm, I love a good refresher, though. <laughs> I'm like a nerdy yes. out. I'm like, please do talk about nervous system. Oh, great. So the nervous system is basically how our body senses safety and danger all day, every day in our environment around us and also internally within us. And it's sending those signals and messages to the brain. And so when we are when we shift into fight or flight, which is typically like our emergency state, we're really supposed to, we're only meant to stay in that state for a short period of time, like minutes essentially, um, so that we can survive whatever threat is coming at us in the moment. In our modern society, and then especially in certain professions, especially like emergency room professions and nurses, we're chronically in that fight or flight state or a survival state, which can also include the freeze state. And I'll explain them in a hot second. Um, and that's just because there are stressors all the time around us in our lives, whether they're perceived stressors or they're legitimate stressors, like someone's coding on our table or something like that. Um, also, just like leaving work and then getting stuck in traffic on your one hour commute home and then going home and taking care of your family and then not being able to get a good night's sleep and then eating whatever you see first because you're starving because you haven't eaten in five or six hours. Like all of these things that are part of daily life also are like minor stressors that are constantly just adding to the pile on top of our already stressed out system. So fight or flight is probably the one that everyone's the most familiar with. Like flight mode is typically associated with feelings of anxiety, like concern, worry, you know, all the way up to debilitating anxiety, panic attacks, etc. The fight side of it is more like irritability, anger, uh, hanger, rage, like it goes up a whole, you know, scale as everything is a, as a spectrum or a scale. Um, freeze mode is like shut down. It's like the overwhelm. Um, it's like, it, this is where we experience depression. We physiologically actually um, are more numb to pain in this state. So we feel emotionally numb. We also can not have like as much physical pain in this state. Um, it's also correlated with like feeling disassociated, um, hopeless, helpless, like those really shut down feelings. And so we can weave in and out of these states. Um, sometimes we sort of get stuck in one of them, or it feels like we're stuck in one of them. Sometimes I feel, I felt like in my own personal experience, I was really feeling like high energy, thriving in fight or flight. And then it started to like turned sour and I started to feel really anxious and it was like too much, too much. And then it was like, okay, then the overwhelm hit. And anytime I felt an, a little layer of stress, I almost went immediately into freeze. And that for me looked like zoning out, numbed emotionally, watching TV just because I couldn't bear to like think or cope or like deal with anything. Um, so those are the states of survival energy. 
where we want to spend the majority of our days, where we truly feel our best, is what I call the safety state. And this is also known as the parasympathetic state of our nervous system. The fight flight is the sympathetic. Um, And the way I remember that is like para, parachute, like, oh, we're gliding down. We feel so good. (laughs) Safety state. (laughs) And in in this state, we feel open. We feel connected to ourselves, to the world. We feel curious. We feel grounded. We feel truly like safe. Um, We are more apt to play, to be silly, to access those parts of our personality where we can feel relaxed and so on and so forth. I identify so heavily with experiencing the freeze state, especially in 2020 and 2021. My husband recognized it when I wasn't recognizing it. And, you know, he said I, it was like I was no longer there. And that was when I was away from work because when I was away from work, I was shut down. I mm. didn't want to do the things that made me feel good. And on top of that, you had the added layers of not even being able to do normal like day-to-day life, right? And also feeling like as a healthcare worker, I have a responsibility to not leave my house because I might put the community at risk. So all of that was incredibly difficult to navigate and it manifested as me just like locking myself in a bubble almost. And even in my household, not being present with my husband during our like first like two years of marriage. And it was really hard to get through that. And also I didn't really know that he saw that until we were out of it until about a year later. And he was reminding me of what it was like. And then I look back and I'm like, well, I don't have memory of a lot of the experiences that I had. I, I can't remember holidays in 2020 or 2021. There was some serious numbness. And the only time, only things that I might've remembered or things that I did like hyper-focus on was my experiences at work that were especially triggering or difficult. And I was like reliving those moments because everything else had been shut out of my life. And that was, those were the moments that I realized like, I cannot be in this position anymore. And I think that's where a lot of clinicians are getting to that point where they have that realization or they're maybe removed from it. Maybe they go for a vacation for a month and then they have to go back and then they're faced with that reality again and it becomes too much. And so if anyone is listening, just know that there is support available through Don't Clock Out, through Operation Happy Nurse. We have programs that you can go to our website and learn a little bit more about what it is that we offer, especially if you are beginning to kind of navigate how to cope with what you're going through and just know that you're not alone and that everyone involved in our organizations for the most part has been where you've been. So just wanted to shout that out there, especially if anyone's listening who might feel seen through this episode and might want to know a little bit more about what resources are available to them. Um, yeah. One thing that kind of struck us was how these techniques might be a, dir- a direct response in the moment to our feelings, not just a preventative practice. What are some great actions that we can take before these things start to arise? Totally. So it's really interesting how, uh, let's talk about the 
prophylactic, like using this before these, these things really start to affect you on a chronic level. Um, so I think applying any of these can really be helpful. So one of the first ones that comes to mind for me, which is like the easiest to access is, um, any type of, um, EFT tapping. Have you guys heard of EFT tapping before? Okay, cool. So I love it because it allows you to speak out loud what's what you're thinking, what's going on, um, while tapping on meridian points of your face and of your body in a way that is physiologically going to activate your safety state. So as you're tapping on like the points, like there's the eyebrow, the inner eyebrow, the outer eye, the under eye, and there's a few more on the face and the body, you are actually helping to activate that relaxation response. So in essence, you're helping yourself to feel safe while cognitively addressing these things or these sensations that you're feeling before they come to a head before they become anxiety inducing or, or, um, overwhelming. And I love that one, uh, for many, many reasons I've used it for, well, one, because there's a lot of scientific evidence behind it. And I, that's just a better, you know, a great reinforcement. Um, two, it has been shown to help with like PTSD. It has been shown to help with, um, you know, food cravings, binge eating. It's been shown to help with anxiety, depression. So there's a lot of support, whether it's anecdotal support, um, scientific support to really back that up. But ultimately you got to just dive in and like give it a try at the end of the day. So that's one of the first ones. Um, moving your body is always going to be my like number one. And I really encourage you to look at it like just how do I like to move my body? What do I enjoy doing? Um, and instead of looking at it like, okay, I got to get exercise in today. What kind of workout do I want to do today? Because that your mind is already going to make up a decision about that. Like it needs to be 60 minutes or I have to use weights or it has to be like a class that I sign into or I have to go to the gym. And it doesn't have to be any of that. It could be a dance party in your kitchen. You know what I mean? Like it could be a walk outside. It could be like um, the other day, my friend was here and we just took like a really leisurely bike ride after sitting at our ki- the kitchen table, like doing work all day on our laptops. And we were both like, oh, we really don't want to go. And then we just sort of just took this leisurely bike ride around and we felt so restored afterwards. So find something that you like to do, that you enjoy doing. Um, again, this as the proactive step to that. Thank you for that. And those seem like super like helpful tools that you can do completely in the moment and yeah, not very, like no barrier to entry, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I also just want to mention like these, um, everything that I'm saying can also be used when you are in that stress state in fight, flight, or freeze. And I'm going to get to more specifics about those in a hot second. But I also want to, it's worth noting, I mean, I am a dietitian, So like for anything proactively, taking care of the physiological, physical needs of your body through getting quality nutrients 
every single day, you know, eating regularly, making sure you're hydrated, making sure you're hydrated with water and electrolytes, um, getting quality sleep. If any of those are sort of areas that you feel can improve, it is basic AF, I know, but these are the things that our body literally runs on. Like our brain runs on vitamins, fat, <laughs> protein, amino acids, you know, carbohydrates. These are things that literally our mental health organs need to function at a baseline level, let alone function optimally. And so, um, and I know that sometimes it's just like ex- accessing those healthy foods or even have the, having the energy to cook them. But if you are at that proactive place right now, it is like vital to make those um, part of your priority for sure. I was going to say, it's interesting you say that too, because I feel like when people are depressed or they're struggling, it's like a lot, like I, if I'm going through it, I am not hungry at all. I'm like, just, I forget to eat. Like I honestly do. And just, it's, it's so full circle. It's like, but like you said, it's like, you have to be your own advocate and take care of yourself. Yeah. And you, and it sounds simple, but you really do have to tell nurses to address their own basic needs. And it's something that I hammer on because we really aren't when we are in the moment like that. And beyond that, when we are prioritizing our work over ourselves, we are extending that to when we get home. We might be so exhausted that we don't eat breakfast after work. We might not drink water. I remember a string of shifts after as a new grad where I didn't use the restroom the entire shift. Then I went to sleep, right, for my next shift. Didn't use the restroom because I was sleeping. And my bladder, I had a UTI for for like a month because I did not put myself first. And for mm-hmm. anyone interested in just concise tips, tricks, something that you can go back to beyond this episode, Christine has so many useful videos available on her Instagram Um could you let everyone know what it is? Of course. Thank you. It's at christine.cohen. Amazing. So just my name. And yeah, definitely check those reels out because especially when it comes to um, like not being hungry, typically when we're in fight or flight, you know, our appetite is not the focus of keeping us alive. And so we don't have, we don't have hunger cues. Um, but when our blood sugar does drop too low because you know, we haven't eaten, we don't have the energy in our system, the body's going to release cortisol so that it can bring that blood sugar level back up to a healthy level. And so when the body's producing more cortisol on top of an already stressed out system, you're going to feel more anxious. You're going to feel hangry. You're going to feel all of those ways that, you know, are connected to everything that we're talking about today. And so managing your blood sugar, even if you you know, are far from pre-diabetic or diabetic is so vital in caring for your nervous system and adrenal health inside of all of this. You're like a wealth of knowledge. (laughs) Like, yes, class is in session. (laughs) And so when we're just really going through it, what kind of mindset should we try to have when we're using somatic techniques? How should we go into it? I would say get out of your head. (laughs) which is the whole point of somatics is to get you out of your head is to kind of stop the pattern of the thinking and the overthinking and the 
And it is to help you get into your body, not by thinking your way there, but by physiologically like feeling your way there. And so stop trying to think so much about it um, and tap into feeling, tap into senses, literally your five senses plus whatever other senses we have. Um, And that's why these things are so powerful. So like when we are in a state of fight or flight, which is typically like an activated state, your heart is racing, um, your thinking's probably faster, you're more like hypervigilant. Things like, even as as the most basic thing is a physiological sigh. It's literally like sighing on purpose. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys realize this. I was in the car with my parents the other day and my mom kept sighing because she was pissed off at my dad. And my dad's like, why are you sighing? Why are you keep doing that? Are you trying to like tell me something or like calm down? And I was like, actually, dad, she probably is involuntarily sighing because (laughs) when we sigh, it's signaling to our nervous system to get into that relaxation state. And so I was like, mm-hmm. he was like, oh, wow, that's fascinating. Christine. I love that but you in- bring that up because I've <laughs> learned from somatic um, practitioners that we love burping, farting, sighing, yawning, because it means it's Hell working. Yeah. Hell <laughs> so yes. Two away, my IBS friends. IBS girls, it's our time to shine. <laughs> IBS girls unite. <laughs> Gassy girls. I feel unite. really relaxed right now, guys. <laughs> I love that. I this love that. was so full circle. I'm so glad. I feel like that kind of tied it all together for us. Like jokes aside, but I think this really tied it all together for me. Like getting out of your head, getting into your bar, your body, and maybe letting her rip. <laughs> that's the, that's but the... in all serious though, for real. Christine, oh my gosh, thank you so much for being with us today. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Thank you so much for having me. I wish we could talk longer. I have so much more to share with you guys and with your um, audience, but definitely check out my reels on Instagram. I really like live to put up valuable content. Um, and so there are a lot of like more specific somatic practices that I will that I put there. And then I also have a free cortisol and adrenal guide that you can download. And it kind of explains a little bit more about like the three stages of stress and fight, flight, or freeze. And then it gives 10 solutions that you can really, you know, easy access. You can start doing at any time. But um, yeah, those really easy uh, somatic practices that you can do in a few minutes, especially when you're at work or right after your shift to help you shift from that fight flight state, process some of that energy in a physiological way and, you know, get in your car and drive home as you're coming back down into safety state. That would be like one of the best um, steps that you can do for yourself, I think. so. And if you love this episode as much as we did, please let us know if you want a part two. I feel like it could be something maybe we'll see we are so grateful for everything that you've shared with us and to our listeners for more of what christine does especially those reels that are accessible to you as tools check out her instagram at christine.cohen or her website christinecohen.com all links will be in the description we are so excited to uh, see y'all next week bye everyone thank you thank you bye, bye.